0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast, a survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Everyone, this is Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt, your host, right back here for another awesome edition of the show. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, I'm stoked to have you here as we rock our survivor journey together. If you're a first time listener, I'm glad that you found the podcast and I hope that you'll find it validating, encouraging, and maybe a little fun too. Be sure and check out some other podcasts and head over to survivingmypast.net for blog posts, videos, and so much more in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. If you're a returning listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thanks so much for the support, the encouragement, and helping to spread the word and the message of hope that we try and promote here. Today, I'm excited to introduce my good friend and returning guest, Rachel Grant. Rachel is a sexual abuse recovery coach and has an MA in counseling psychology. She teaches you how to retrain your thinking, to be aware of the thought process, and then gives you practical skills to aid in all areas of your life. Plus, she's my good friend, too, so that makes her even more awesome. So, (laughs) welcome back, Rachel. It's always great to have you on the show. How are you?
1: Oh, right on, Matt. I'm so glad to be here with you again today. Thanks for having me.
0: Always a pleasure. Always awesome. Um, Today, we're going to talk about something that so many survivors um, deal with on a regular basis, especially early on on that recovery, and that is the dreaded flashback.
1: Mm -hmm. So, we're going
0: to talk about what they are why they happen, what happens to our brain during a flashback, things we can do to help work through them, all kinds of good stuff. So if you're up for it, I will give you the mic and we can talk about, first off, let's kind of define exactly what is a flashback.
1: Yeah. So um, in, my, in my terms, the way that I think about a flashback is a moment when your brain gets confused about where you are in space and time. And so something, an external stimulus, or uh, it can be a voluntary stimulus, I'll explain more about that in a moment, um, will cause you to have a recall of a memory. And I think a really important thing to know about flashbacks when you're defining them is that you're not actually having a repetition or a replay of the past event, you're just having a memory of that event. And the flashback can range in severity. So, you know, and in other words, you could think of if I voluntarily think about, you know, the first time I went swimming, that's a flashback, right? It's a positive one, but it's a flashback. And I might have similar sensations. I might remember what it was like. I might remember how the water or where I was Um, or we can have a higher degree of um, severity when it comes to a flashback where maybe I'm thinking about something that is um more traumatizing, and therefore my I might have more of a a body response, I might have more of my heart racing or you know things like that start to come along with the memory, so it's not maybe as neutral um Yeah. So that's kind of the way that I generally simply define flashback. And of course there are nuances and layers to that, but we can start there.
0: You brought up a really good point and that is we can actually have, you know, like a memory, like you mentioned of swimming or whatever, that's actually a flashback, which I don't, Mm -hmm. I know that when I first started my survivor journey, the word flashback always just meant nothing but negative and pain and all these types of things. But in reality, as you mentioned, when you have a memory of something, it's simply a flashback, but of course. You know, when we're talking about trauma recovery, then then it gets into the more traumatizing memories Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But, yeah, I I think it's a good point to drive home that flashbacks in and of themselves are not always a negative type of uh, emotion or uh, memory.
1: That's right. And I think the other thing to categorize is that they can be voluntary and involuntary. So I can purposely think back on something that I experienced, right? Like the first time I went swimming, Um, or I can be um, driving on the highway and I catch a scent that is similar to like a swimming pool. And then I'm thinking about the first time I went swimming. So I wasn't intending to think about it. I had no plan to think about it, but yet that outside stimulus you know, prompted the memory. So that's involuntary recall versus voluntary recall.
0: When you mentioned about catching a scent, for example, if you're driving around, you're not walking around and you get, catch a scent of maybe chlorine mm-hmm. or, you know, of the water if you're near the ocean or something. And of course that can bring back memories of obviously in your case, going swimming or, you know, whatever the case may be. So when you're talking and, and of course that, you know, that scent or perhaps something you see or hear mm-hmm. or touch or taste um, would be considered a trigger, would it not?
1: Yeah, and I think that's part of what is um, so kind of difficult for survivors of trauma. So if we start thinking specifically about how this shows up when you're trying to heal from trauma, when we're having a tra- a traumatic e- experience, when we're having any experience, actually, the body is encoding all of the information. The body brain is encoding all of the Im- information that is present In that experience. And some were very, very conscious of, and some were not very conscious of. So later on, what will serve as a stimulus or as a trigger for that event, it can be such a broad range of things, right? even for one particular instance of a trauma or abuse. So that can get really frustrating, right, Matt? After some time, because you're like, shit, like, okay, I'm over here and this makes me think about that thing. And okay, I think that trigger is what it is. So you resolve that trigger and then over here, something else happens and it brings up the same kind of response system. Um, So that is a little bit of the tricky part when we're thinking about how do we heal from trauma? How do we get our systems kind of restored and back online and less um, susceptible really? Um, To that, it's sometimes not as easy as just saying, Well, you know, if I see um, a spoon or if I have a particular scent, because there can be so many different layers of stimuli that the brain has encoded as a part of that experience. Does that make sense? What I'm saying there?
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, it does. And I I was thinking back to one of our previous podcasts when we were talking about how the brain is affected by trauma. And, um, you know, I think we talked about flashbacks a little bit there, but. You know the way that you broke it down as far as you know the brain is is encoding everything about a particular experience, and then if you see or or smell or 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 hear something and that kind of for lack of a better word, trips a trigger, so to speak, mm-hmm. from something that's encoded, that's kind of where the flashback comes in, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, you know, when we start to think about, well, how do how do we then walk through the world, right? If we have these sorts of things encoded into our into our brain, how do we go out into the world without being constantly triggered, right? right. <laughs> oh man. Well, so, um, or um, what do we do about it? So let's talk about the first part of it, because there certainly is a lot that we can do to just reduce the frequency with which we will even get triggered. And then if we are triggered by something there and are having a flashback, then there are things that we can do to resolve that and move through it in a healthy way that doesn't cause too much disruption. So um, does that sound like a good plan? Good place to go from here?
0: Absolutely. Let's go for it.
1: All right. All right. So the first kind of side of this coin is how do we get our systems so that they're not so easily triggered? So I want you to think about it like this, like your brain has kind of this warning system. Um, and there are lots of different parts of your brain that are part of that warning system. There's the thalamus, there's the amygdala, there's the the entry point, which is the reticular forma. So I'm throwing out lots of words out there. Y'all can Google them. <laughs> but uh But essentially, the brain's warning system is meant to keep us alive. That's really its job. And so um, it's taking in the data around us and it's determining is this safe or not safe, right? And if it determines that it's not safe, then it gets into action and it sends that info straight to the amygdala, which causes us all of those responses that we know about fight, flight and freeze. And because the brain is more interested in keeping us alive than being accurate, it it doesn't really care if it makes mistakes, (laughs) right? So so it goes for speed rather than accuracy, which is a really good thing in a lot of cases, right? If something's coming flying at your head, you want your body to just move and get out of the way. You don't want to stop and think about whether you should actually move (laughs) and get out of the way, right? Yeah, but what happens for survivors of trauma is it's like that warning system is on all of the time. It's like your on switch has been flipped on and you don't know how to turn it off. You don't know how to bring it back to kind of like a calm space. So... That's something that I spend a lot of time working with with my clients is, you know, regulating their nervous system, regulating those neurological processes, bringing them back into balance so that not everything is experienced as unsafe and therefore, you know, get, ease, you know, triggered by every, every single thing um, that's going on. So there are processes for that. You know, that's a little more in depth. It takes a little more time, Um one strategy that I can think of that is kind of doable and easy to begin applying is um, just beginning to actually start to notice and question that for yourself when you're out in the world. Like, am I safe? Am I not safe? How am I experiencing this right now? And is that really true? Um, because we start to take a lot for granted as um as uh, survivors of abuse. It's like, oh, that's just the way it is. So sometimes just pausing and questioning what's happening um, on the level of safe, not safe is a good place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up so many good points. And um, I have to admit, like, I never really kind of put two and two together in terms of the brain's warning system trying to be fast not necessarily accurate but it makes total sense like you said if somebody's throwing something at you your, your immediate reaction is to duck or get out of the way and then kind of analyze what's happening after the fact so i think it's a great way to kind of put it in perspective of when your brain's warning system is is on 24 7 and the word that came to my mind uh when i was going through a lot of my flashbacks and and whatnot and what i've talked with other people on is that when my warning system was on all the time i, I was hyper vigilant beyond belief <clears throat>
1: Yes. Yeah. I
0: mean, just everywhere I went, everything I did, I was looking around me, looking to see who was how close to me people mm-hmm. were, who was coming around a corner, everything and anything that you can possibly imagine to where you're on such a heightened state of alertness that you can't ever relax. And then everything triggers you even more. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it's like um, another way of thinking about it is I sometimes use the words or talk about it in terms of resilience or tolerance. So if you have low resilience or low tolerance to your environment, then it's, uh, then you're just going to be so, your brain is going to be taking in even more and, um, and it's going to have more of a likelihood and more of a chance of going into the unsafe bucket, right? So yeah, it's kind of like walking around with an open wound, you know, you're, you're easy to get hurt that way. So we've got to repair on the, that level. And um, and so that's, you know, exactly what I've noticed and experienced in my journey. That was the first goal was to decrease how often I even got triggered. And so by retraining the brain, you know, using strategies and processes, we're able um, to do that and we're able to kind of take charge of those systems a little bit more and bring them back to kind of where they're working in a healthy way for us. Um, And that's important to really understand. You know, one of my clients recently had an experience where she was out with the kids, and one of the kids accidentally sprayed her um, near her face with some of that, you know, sunscreen, you know, that spray sunscreen they have these days. And it caused like a trigger moment of like, (gasps) panic, a full on like heartbeat, panic attack, rush. And, um and when we were working through that, I said to her, you know, she said, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel, I want to have those responses. I said, well, that's not actually the goal. Because no matter who you are, trauma or not trauma, if you get sprayed in the face with something, you're going to react. Right, <laughs> right. right. But it's the second part of that experience that we want to learn to resolve or to cut off, where it starts becoming associated with something old that was traumatic, where it starts, you know, taking you on this trauma ride and that before you know it, you're not even like where you actually are. You're way off in the past. So it's really important for, I think, people who are healing from trauma to remember that that a, a response like that is not abnormal, it doesn't mean you're not healed, it means you're human, yeah. It's the second part that we want to be able to resolve. So if something does happen that starts to bring on one of those kinds of responses that we can interrupt that process. So should we talk a little bit about some ways to do that?
0: Absolutely, yes, let's do that.
1: So one of the easiest things that you can do is actually just say. I'm having a memory or a flashback, right? (laughs) Like this is actually not happening right now. (laughs) 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 Like this is not real. This is a memory. This is a flashback. Um, This is, and I think the other thing is important to pay attention to how you think about or talk about what you're experiencing. Like on a, When your brain gets kind of triggered into that state, it can kind of think, oh, this is happening right now. But we can use language to sort that. So we can say, I was abused, or I am having a memory of a moment when I was, you know, sprayed in the face. I'm having a memory of when I was abused. That past tense was as opposed to, you know, I'm being attacked or I'm being hurt or I'm being abused in this moment. The next thing to do is to check your breathing. And um, when you're having um, a trigger, don't necessarily try to make yourself take deep breaths, right? Um, Because deep breathing can be important and can help in some instances but it can also increase a trauma response. Because if you think about it, when you take a deep breath, what starts to constrict, right? right. Your chest, your neck, especially the muscles in your neck when you take a real deep breath. And when you do that, you're restricting the blood flow in your neck, which your body does not like. <laughs> and yeah. Your body thinks something else is happening. Something bad is happening. So more importantly is to just kind of tune into your breathing and notice, okay, is my breathing really shallow right now? Am I breathing at all? Right? Sometimes we start to hold our breath. And then you can start to check in and go, okay, can I, can I take some longer breaths? You know, can I start to even that out a little bit? Can I start to slow down my breathing? And that can help move you out of that anxious state. Another um, tool that I really love is, is working through your five senses. So um, just it really being, becoming a routine. And, and what I often have people do as soon as they're starting to have a memory, a flashback, is to put their hand in front of them as a, a five. Like, like you're holding up the, the number five for someone to see, right? Mm-hmm. But with your palm facing you. And you work through the five senses. So first, your pinky is um, your uh, sight. So you put your pinky down and you name three things that are around you, right? Your ring finger is smell. So you put your ring finger down and you notice smells. Oh, I'm smelling the fresh air. Oh, I'm smelling this dusty room. It doesn't matter, like whatever the smells are, right? The um, middle finger is hearing. What are three things that I can hear right now? I can hear the trees. I can hear a car. I can hear the birds. The uh, first finger is your uh, taste. So, is there anything that I need to taste? Right? Can I can I get a drink right now? Can I have a little munch of something that is comforting to me? You know, not a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Don't go that far, folks. Come on. You know, but you know, have have a bite of ice cream, right? Or have a piece of bread or whatever it might be. Um, And then um, the last one is uh, touch, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes just um, pressing your hands into your thighs, pressing your feet onto the floor, holding an object like a really, like for me, smooth objects are always very grounding. So like I have a stone that I really love that I'll put in my pocket. If something comes up, then it's there. And I use that a lot more in the past than I do now. Right. Right. Yeah. So ultimately we can um, dampen the effect of a flashback when we treat it as a memory, when we treat it as a memory of the past and when we actively do things that bring us back to the present.
0: You gave so, so much great information. I'm not, even, I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, wait, that's a good point. No, no, no. That's a good point. Um, but I think, if there's a resonating theme with everything that you've mentioned as far as, you know, um, how we can cope with the flashback and, and what we should do when one's happening and how we can, you know, lessen their effects in the future. And that is something that I learned in working through anxiety. And that is simply to question it, question everything. yeah, And to question, you know, am I safe? Yes, I'm safe right now. Is there anything around me that I can smell? Yes, I can smell this. I can touch that. You know, is this really happening right now or is it a memory? Well, it's a memory. And disengaging yourself from the emotional moment and questioning what's going on has really helped me overcome a lot of the anxiety uh, issues mm-hmm. and stuff that I've had. And it seems to be very similar and work in the same way when you're having a flashback it's yeah. simply, as you mentioned, question it.
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah, because the thing of it is, is if we don't do that, if we don't start to interrupt that process, then the way that the brain works, we have the neurological pathways and there are it's like this big highway of of memories. And so your memories like crisscross each other, because every time you have an experience, you're not only lighting up the pathway that holds the, like the, the first experience or a prior experience, you're now adding in the new experience, right? So memories are very intertwined. They're not like linear in that way. And so you can go from thinking about, you know, this red flower to, oh yeah, remember that time when I went to the flower store and got present for my my mom? And then, oh gosh, I think about, you know, and it just takes you on this ride, right? One association, Leads to the next, to the next, to the next. And so if you don't interrupt that memory, pretty soon you're going to find yourself in what we call like the trauma spiral, right? That's going to go to the next negative thing that you experienced or you're just going to be full on um, just in the memories and not present, not here. Right now.
0: I hear exactly what you're saying. And, and it really makes total sense of, you know, your, your, your mind is, you know, your brain is like this, this roadmap of memories and everything's intersecting and crisscrossing. And, you know, when you think of the flower, you think about this and you think about that. And, and soon, you know, before you know it, you're spiraling out of control. And like, I, I've been there, like, I can think of times, especially early mm-hmm. on, when I got triggered of something. And then when I was trying to work through that trigger, I remembered something else. Yeah, And then I smelled something and then I touched something and then mm-hmm. I heard something and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm spinning out of control. It's the worst thing ever. And it took a long time to get a handle on that. But one of the things I learned and what you touched on, of course, was, was questioning it and telling yourself that, you know, this is a memory. And I think that's, that's probably one of the hardest things to yeah. grasp and to work through is to understand that for um, sexual abuse survivors, you know, because that's what you deal with and that's what I write about and whatnot is you know, you're not in the middle of that trauma anymore, but it certainly feels like it, man. It, it, like it really does. It
1: does. It really does. And so um, and so that's the, that's the tricky part and why that distinction of really understanding that you're not actually um, back in the experience, that you're having a memory. You're not actually re-experiencing it. You're re-experiencing a memory yeah and so be and it's like um uh, i guess the word of encouragement that i would lo- offer to everybody who's listening who maybe you're very early on in your your healing and you're really dealing with a lot of the memory recalls and memories coming up and and triggers happening a lot of the time is that this is um it take it just takes practice This isn't um, like you have to be a special someone in order for this to work. (laughs) It's just um, it's just a matter of repetition and practice. And so even if it's even if you find yourself in one of those trauma spirals and then your brain, your system will naturally kick you out of it. It just will. Because, again, your number one goal, your brain's number one goal is to keep you alive. And so eventually, when your system hits a kind of a tipping point, it'll go, well, we've got to get out of this. This is just not healthy for us. This isn't good. And you'll come back to kind of a, a baseline. You might have but you might have to go through it. Right. If you're not um, able to stop that process. But where I was getting to was take time after that happens to kind of debrief with yourself and look at the experience and think about, okay, where could I have used a tool, right? Or at what point did I notice that I was starting to feel a little triggered, right? A lot of this has to do with us becoming more self-aware of what our responses are to the world around us, right? So um, something as simple as like one of my clients said, every time she noticed that she started to like, um, what is it? What do you, how would I even describe that without everybody seeing me? It's like a tapping your foot on the ground, right? Like you're fidgeting, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're bouncing your knee. She said, every time I started to notice that I would always start to do that. If something, if there was some stimuli that was around me that was creating, like starting to lead into a flashback. And so that became her cue, And she just used that as her tool. Oh, there goes my knee. I better like turn my attention to something else or whatever the case might be. Long story short, you can think about what you could have done, you know, oh, I could have used that like five senses thing right then and that probably would have helped me. What was happening right before? Were there any cues? And by way of doing that, you're starting to teach yourself what to pay attention to and what to be aware of and the likely, and increasing the likelihood that the next time something happens, you'll remember five senses.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a great point um, on starting to wrap this up is that mm-hmm. there is so much hope when you start to see progress and and how you handle a flashback and you know you know i mean let's face it there's no shortage of 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 triggers in the world i mean you can go out anywhere and you know smell something or hear something or whatever and you can feel triggered but when you start to work through and ground yourself and be aware of what's going on and you know potential situations that could be triggering like the effects really do start to get less over time i mean yes. you know when you're in the middle of it When my when I was working with a therapist and she said it'll get better in time, I told her she was nuts.
1: Right, I'm like like, there is no
0: way. Like this is the worst thing ever. Like I'm traumatized. I'm stuck here for 13, 15 minutes. I can't move. And now all of a sudden, of course, you know, years later, now you know I still get you know some of those same smells or sights or whatever, and I still get triggered. But the effects are not anywhere near. And it's like you mentioned, it's the awareness, the using your senses, the the staying grounded that really gives you hope that these
1: things aren't going to last forever. Absolutely, Matt. Yeah, well said,
0: Rachel. It's always so awesome to have you on the show. It's a great time. Um, I appreciate it. And I can't wait to do it again. So let's wrap it up. You can tell everybody where to find you, your book, get your information on your programs, all that amazing Rachel Grant coaching kind of stuff.
1: Thanks, Matt. So uh, yes, I'd love to connect with you all um, after the show. So you can head over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to check out the Beyond Surviving program. Also be sure to get the three stages of recovery uh, checklist. Uh, That's a really great tool to help you kind of determine where you are in your healing journey and what to focus on when it comes to goals for recovery at each stage and what kind of support you need to get um, to help you at each of those stages. So be sure to go and check that out and you can connect with me via email um you'll also see my link to facebook there you can connect with me all sorts of ways check out the resources section for all the freebies um and if i can be of any support to you in your journey please don't hesitate to reach out
0: amazing amazing stuff rachel Grant. thank you and of course don't forget as she said check out the information on her programs uh her book which is amazing um everything you want to know uh she's an expert she is just um She's she's a great person to work with, to talk with, and she can surely help you in your journey um, if you're in a place for that. So, Rachel, thanks again. I can't wait to to uh, to chat with you next time. I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Right on, Matt. Be well.
0: Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety and PTSD and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, in6.org and the Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email Matt@SurvivingMyPast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.